How's it going, guys? Uh, welcome to episode number 45 of the Lean Into Life podcast, and I'm very excited and delighted to interview today's guest and welcome uh, Mr. John Lennon onto the podcast. John is an accomplished athlete and has won numerous titles on the track, um, which include being on the panel for the Irish team um, for the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. Um, he went on to the roads and ultimately where he's most comfortable, the, the mountains, which we're going to go into more detail, uh, which culminated in him winning the World um, Mountain Running Championships in 1991 in Switzerland, uh, up in the Alps. So the Irish, only Irishman to ever do this. Um, um, and we'll talk about that in more depth a bit later on. Um, John's second home, as he's uh, been quoted in, is Ireland's highest mountain, Carantool, where he won the annual... Uh, Carantool mountain race 19 times which is pretty mind-blowing and not only that he set the record for the quickest descent and descent um, in a time of one hour and 11 minutes which just to put into context for people um, who, uh, <coughs> who wouldn't know the mountain as such uh, an average sort of uh, time would be around four to six hours if you're sort of hiking up um, so you can understand the enormity of this feat of athleticism so just from his um, uh, from his book actually, which was um, um, written by Kerry journalist Con Dennehy, I think it's his, um, it's called Tough as Leather. Um, John ran over 140,000 miles, which is madness, <laughs> in his career, which is around six times around the world, apparently, John, isn't it? Um, 170 million footsteps and at 280 pairs of running shoes. <laughs> uh, he went through some shoes. Um, and as I said, this information was in the book dedicated to him, written by uh, Con Denny, called Tough as Leather, the story of sporting legend John Lennon. So if you haven't read it, I've been looking through it for the last uh, week or so, so um, it's, it's really inspiring. So um, there's, a, there's a quote, I don't know if it was in the book or is in one of the things I've seen where John quoted from somebody, I can't remember the person actually, but go not where the path will lead, but instead where there is no path and leave a trail that others may follow. So I found that really powerful. And again, this is exactly what he has done um, throughout his, his career and still continues to, where he uh, resides and his, his home of Glenaginty, Glen I think it is, um, uh, where there's some tra uh, trails um, that he's helped develop um, on his land and some of the other landowners land around there. <clears throat> so I'm gonna have to check it out, it looks really beautiful. So. Um, yeah, so I think um, without further ado, <laughs> welcome John to the Lean Into Life podcast. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here and glad to be glad you asked me to join you. No, thank you. Um, first question I've asked people in the last sort of, I suppose, the last couple of years, John, uh, how have you been over the last couple of years? Obviously, what's gone on? Um, and I know where you're situated with the trials and stuff, and, uh, and most things we could actually do are go outside and walk and, and stuff, which is probably. You know, you you were next to uh, to some beautiful surroundings. So, how how have you been? Um, how's it all going? Um, and uh, yeah, how? Okay, it's uh, it's all going pretty well, I suppose. We've uh, there's a lot of things going on at the moment. Um, it's good over the last couple of years. Initially, I suppose, when I was forced into retirement from athletics, it hit me very hard and I found it very hard to adjust to what was a, me, a new lifestyle, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that took a couple of years to get my head around that. But once I got over that, and I got involved with uh, the, the hiking club. We set up a walking club in Ballymacalligot. And um, we have, of course, now, as you mentioned there, the Glownigainty walkways. And uh, that's putting about... 
at least 1,500 people a week to, uh, we did a survey there in the summer and uh, I think we got 1,800 for the week. So you're looking at possibly an average of 1,500 people a week now using that trail and uh, it, it's great to sit back and and see the success of that now, you know. Yeah, that's really, and there's a few different um, distances. There is three different, three different loops on it, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and how long was that, how long has that been in operation now? That initially kicked off in 2008. Um, there was a um, um, fault Ireland. We're looking to put in a walkway in Ireland, uh, in Kerry, sorry. And the guy came down and uh, had a look at the planned walkway, but he said, you know, it wasn't suitable for for a fault Ireland walkway. And he wanted to know, was there anywhere else in Kerry that might be suitable? And um, I took him out to my place and showed him. And I said, look, this is something I've been playing with in, in the back of my mind with a while, of putting a walkway here. Yeah. There's a lot of history. And... Uh, I remember he looked and about five minutes later he said to me you design a walkway here and I'll be back to inspect it he said and this is where I want it and that was in 2008 so at the end of 2008 really we we started doing doing some work there and I remember one of the work crew said to we hurry on to be out of there by Christmas in 2008 thinking that that would be the end of it in 2008 yeah. and this is 2022 and we're still there. He's still yeah. Wow that's amazing 1500 a week I think going through. Yes yes at okay. least. Now, as you said, we're looking through. I said the next day. Now I have uh, a good day when I'm off. I'm going to go over and uh, uh, have a look. It looks as and this week, and you've got families, there's children, there's trail runners, there's 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 everyone there, isn't it? There is really now, yeah. Big thing with the schools now as well. Oh, so really? School and tours and, and correct, and, and there's huge. I mean, there's huge history attached to the area as well. Oh, is there? there is, yeah. I mean, you have three major history history points, and I won't go into them in detail, but briefly, like your the last knighted elder Desmond was captured and beheaded in in the Clannigan as a monument to him there. Okay. Stephen Fullerton was the sole survivor of uh, an atrocity at Ballyseedy in the times of the Troubles, and he was hidden in my grandmother's house. She gave up her bed for him before wow. he was taken to uh, a cave, while they were digging out a cave in the mountain for him in the nearby farm. Mm. And in that has been uh, uh, the feature of a, a recent uh, documentary. And um, then there was uh, Captain Robert Monteith. He came into Bannistrand with uh, Roger Casement, and uh, he ended up again in, in up in my farm. He ended up hiding there for quite a while uh, before he managed to escape back to America, where he wrote a book about his time spent hiding in Ireland. And mm-hmm. you know, and it was great for me to read the book and see, you know, what he specifically meant, mentioned about staying in our farm, you know, and um, you know, and and um, and and actually. Uh, something I only found out recently um, is that uh, going back his Captain Monteith's uh, great grandson is actually married to into the Trump family into to, no so way. yeah so that's there's a link there as a link there <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, there's a history, yeah a bit of history there so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of touching on where, where you grew up and um, sort of going back uh, going back a little bit there um, you actually kind of grew up in in the mountains so to speak um um, and was it kind of describe as kind of Kerry Sherwood Forest? Was it kind of <laughs> yes? Um, <laughs> tell, me, tell me a little the, bit about uh, that and how um, mm-hmm. you know about kind of growing up and then you kind of maybe left school, you kind of home school for a little bit, wasn't it? And uh, that sort of using that was kind of your sort of you know upbringing or playground, whatever you want to call it. You know, and just maybe touch on that and, and okay. kind of growing up in that sort of area. Um, as you say, uh, the area was described. Uh, many years back as the Sherwood Forest of Munster in one of the uh, 
and, and I just saw it on one of the internet uh, surveys there was uh, on a survey that was done but I, I read about it on the internet so we use that in the walkway uh, it's on one of the signs uh, oh. this is the Sherwood Forest of Munster because anybody it was it was described as one of the most remote and, and dense parts of Munster at that particular time because there was just no network there was no network of roads to that area at all and uh, anybody that was on the run uh, seemed to end up in in that valley you know yeah. so thus it got that particular name um, as for myself, yeah, I grew up in that area, um, and I suppose I spent, um, I spent that was my crèche, as I often said to people, those woods were my crèche growing up, uh, yeah. because they were all around my home, and I spent hours, I often thought I was Robin Hood with my bows and my arrows and all that kind of thing growing up in the woods, you know. Yeah. Wow. Um, I suppose I grew up a quite, a, quite an isolated, uh, in a quite an isolated lifestyle, really, as such. Um, I was homeschooled in the early years. Um, I didn't start school until I think I was six or seven thereabouts, you know, it's quite yeah. quite late. And um, I was gone from school again at 13, um, you know. Um, now, I suppose when I stopped school at 13, I had probably given, yeah, I had started secondary school in September. So I, Christmas, I'd given about, what, three months, we'd say, secondary school. That was the extent of my secondary school education. Um, I was the only the only uh, child on, on, on the farm, the only boy on the farm. So it was kind of, the tradition was that you, you fell into farming. You took well, over the family farm. Hands, yeah. yeah. And uh, I suppose that when my father said to me at Christmas time, you know, that you can, uh, you can stop, you can stop going to school and, you know, um, it, to me, it was kind of all my Christmases coming together that, that I was able to stop school. Now, I had one actual, I suppose, disappointment was just because as I came off from the school holidays, I had been informed that I was after getting a call up for the, the Kerry Techs football panel. And I think I was looking forward to uh, going back to Kilargland to do the trials, yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, that was obviously gone out the window now as well. Okay. But, um, was it was very disappointing because at the time I never left a football out of my hand. I, I was stone mad about football, <laughs> uh, but there wasn't the opportunities there then that was now where you have all the underage football, you know. Yes, um, yes, so I didn't get exactly, exactly. So I didn't have that opportunity but when I went to the tech then I got involved in football there and as I say I, within a couple of months I was called up for the panel so um, that was disappointing because I was interested in following following a career in football um, so when I was at home I suppose then for the next uh, couple of years uh, I, I really did become a hermit and I really um, did get very I suppose very detached from society and yeah, uh, friends wise and kind of wasn't too many people around that there wasn't kind of no leaving no. school and stuff and I think the other thing was, okay, for the first year after stopping school, everything was fine because I still had my friends from school. We still had a contact and they were coming to visit me at weekends. Yeah. But you could see as the time went on, that began to fizzle out because we didn't have anything, anything in common anymore as much either, you know. So by the time I had reached the age of 16, when my athletic career took off, um, I was in, in, in a pretty bad place, you know. Okay. Um, and when... In regards to the athletic, was there a time, I think I've got everything here, where you um, you saw a supplement of a... Be active, a be alive. Yeah. Correct. And um, it was, yeah, as you said there, so yeah, be active, be alive. Be active, be I alive. I that really, really powerful. And it, that sort of sets something off in you then, Sean, did you? Correct. Um, and tell me the story about the bike, because I, I really mm -hmm. enjoyed that one, you know. You, you saw that and you got inspired and then there was something like I think there was a race coming up or something a bike race but you had no bike <laughs> correct yeah um, I saw that supplement uh, it was in the Irish press at the time and I 
got inspired by that and I began doing uh, specific training for endurance as in running or whatever and cycling yeah. um, there was a local there was a cycle race coming up in the Bally McElligot Sports and yeah I, true I didn't have a bicycle but there was one at home which was blocking a gap in the ditch for cattle and I thinking I was a mechanic decided I was <laughs> go but get a few I'm wheels <laughs> exactly get a few wheels put put on a couple of wheels on it and all the rest of it and did the basics and uh, off I went to the sports meeting I didn't have brakes for sure that, that, they, I didn't need I didn't need them I, you know no. um, they were only <laughs> slowing me down they were only slowing me down so I got into the bike race that day and um, I. I came third in that bike race that day anyway and so which was great I got a, a podium a podium position you know and what was the buzz like then of, and was it kind of just lit something in you that like the yeah. competition I want more of this he came third yeah. and like wow I've got yeah. it yeah. I've got a prize and I'm on the podium that's and right that kind of set up I want to experience this again yeah. you know yeah. um, then I got involved in uh, the community games that at that time as well and uh, I finished second in, in that event and um you, you know and and that's yeah i suppose that was that was the seed planter then really you know yeah um that's funny you're saying just going back to there, my dad's from the west of mayo there my parents from my dad's from a place called mount jubilee actually the side of a mountain near bangaris you know kind of heading towards gisala kind of belmont area and like yourself around sort of 13 14 maybe he left he was one of 11 so mm-hmm. <laughs> he was kind of out to work and he worked in boardman boardman Boardman, I always get that word. Mm-hmm. Um, during the day, he'd, he'd go home for a bit of dinner, and then he was out in the grass mill. He was kind of doing the hay and stuff, and that was every day. Like, and just, and he's, we've just got him down to a four-day week. Well, he's kind of semi-retired now. He's seventy-two. They live in North Coy now, but uh, you know, he's up a ladder somewhere. But it's great that generation. It's just uh, that work ethic, and mm-hmm. I found I got that from him. But that, you know, that and the cons. He actually said the last day, oh, do you know, when the weather gets better, I might go out for a little bit and do a few days. <laughs> We've got him down to a four-day week, which is a big thing. But like, he's uh, he's he's trying to maybe wind that a little bit. But he's he's always been doing something. But it's just that kind of work ethic and that mm-hmm. sort of drive then to to achieve. So after that sort of bike race, then in your other race, um, you got into was it the was it track or was it road running? Or how did that progress from from the community games? Yeah. Um, I suppose what happened there was. Uh, I was second in that community games in Bally McElligot and uh, I think to be honest with you I, I, and I mean this in the bottom of my heart I think what happened that day was I was I was a very shy kid at that stage and I was running so comfortably with the leader but I still hadn't the confidence to go in front and then when it uh, came to a sprint finish I was left for dead because I never had a sprint you know whereas I still had plenty of running left in me I had the endurance correct so I, I now knew that I was true to the county championships and I felt right that's good because I had plenty left so and it was for the marathon which was I think a six mile race so I was looking forward now to the community again because I knew that I had I had loads left in me after the six mile race in, in Ballymichelligot yeah. so I travelled into the community games in Tralee and um, I didn't have there wasn't a structure as such at the time in, in Ballymac and I went in on my own and I arrived at the gate when the marathon was called and I didn't have a number I didn't realise I should have a number and I wasn't allowed to compete I think I read that, that yeah. was really so I cried I cried that day because it was so distraught because I had trained hard oh, for that and I could feel it through the paid reading yeah. I felt the emotion of you that yeah. just kind of yeah. doing all this training and not yes. being able to run and not able because I felt I had a point to prove that day and I felt I could have and as it turned out I did get into a road race in Castle Island a couple of weeks later and I actually uh, I actually in that particular road race in Castle Island I split the gold and the bronze medalist in the county final so oh, I, wow. I, I definitely felt I had a, I missed the podium and finish on that okay. but look I put it behind me um, I, I, my, 
my mom one day at home she just saw on the paper that there was a, ro- a road race coming up in castle island and i think she very much recognized the road i was heading down at that stage that i was getting very isolated and uh, i was having major trouble communicating with people and would uh, go to any lengths to avoid meeting that people you know exactly exactly and that confidence was really really gone by me so she um, kind of said encouraged me to go to that race i went to that race in castle it was a senior race and um I finished up seventh overall in that race. At um, I was just turning seventeen at the time, wow. which was um, kind of I was running against very established seniors, like yeah. guys who were who were county champions and all that at the time. Wow. So I was. You that, that you were onto something maybe like. I knew I was onto something, but the cl- the the other clubs in the county definitely knew they were onto oh, something. Really? So that was that <laughs> was that was a <laughs> mad rush. The air was a mad rush that night to try and get me signed. So I went to Castle Island in a rusty old bike, and I got driven <laughs> I got driven home in a Mercedes van. Oh, <laughs> Great story. Um, just going back to what you said about the confidence thing, um, did you find that you obviously confidence when you were in in social places with other people? But did you feel confident then in your running, like in the sport itself? Because yes. just for myself, I played football for or soccer for thirty years. Um, then quite get to I got to semi professional, but then quite get to the full. But I, I was very lacking in confidence and. The only thing that I felt saved me uh, was I picked up sports very well, like rugby or soccer and, and, and whatever. So you're automatically in a, a, a team or a group of people who have a similar interest to you. <laughs> so it kind of helped me make friends that way, but I wouldn't be very good if, you know, so I think that kind of helped me one way. But I felt really confident when I was playing. Like it was mm-hmm. the, off it, maybe not as much. Did you kind of, was that kind of a similar? Very, very similar with me as well. Um, I, I, I was able to just go onto the field and uh, take part in a race and all those things that the shyness or whatever went out the window yeah. at that stage I was doing my thing here and I was on my stage yeah, and I was yeah. here to prove a point and, this is and what yeah like, this is what yeah and the, you know the, I, I did I was a great believer in putting in the, the homework and when I lined up at the start of a race I was confident look I have as much training done here as anybody else have at least I knew I, ha- I was on par with them with my training anyhow and after that it was just down to ability on the day you know yeah. and yeah so definitely I had the confidence then once, once I got involved in athletics I had the confidence in the race I suppose athletics saved me because when I um I was fortunate I suppose looked at that it was a sport that I was good at and um you know and I was I was winning a lot of races coming to top three in a lot of races so people were coming talking to me I didn't have to go to yeah, them and even though I my boundaries my and my, 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 my comfort boundaries were being pushed having to do these talks with people yeah. I had to do it I couldn't walk away I had no. to stand my ground it took a couple of years before get used, used but had that not happened for me for athletics I, I dread to think where where I would be today yeah, it, was, yeah. it kind of saved you it really? saved me oh, I know I always say it in interviews oh, really? At, athletics absolutely saved saved my life really wow it did that's amazing yeah. And just in the training, what type of training were you doing? Like, was it training at home? I know, I don't know when you, I know you built that sort of gym in, in that. Now, was that around the same time or a bit later? Or were you using kind of the farmland to run on? Or what, where was the training? Obviously, you went into a club then, but. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it was, it was just, it was, it was progressive, but it was progressive at, 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 at lightning speed, really. Everything was happening so fast, you know. Yeah. Um, I like within, within a year of taking up athletics, I was on the Irish Junior panel training uh, for class country. Yeah. Within a year, yeah, uh, so everything was moving very, very quickly. Uh, I suppose the, the I, you know, I set up a gym in the woods near my home. That was maybe progressed after maybe a couple of years down the line. Um, I was really interested in that. that, that 
you had the pull-up bar, you had the long uh, stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah just I, using the, the natural. The natural, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I was using what was what was available to yeah. me, you know, and uh, I found it was great. You could you could you could just sort of tie that in with different types of sessions. I would go for a run in the woods. Sometimes you might do a, a long run. Yeah. You come back, you do that. Sometimes I might do a run where after each lap, I would include some gym, some the gym discipline. Water, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then run again. There was just so many things. And that was very important because you have to mix it up. You have to have variety. And I think that keeps the mind fresh because if your mind gets tired in sport, you'll physically, you're going to feel tired anyway. So and I was... That, a, so mm-hmm. question, did you feel that gave me a bit of an edge? Were other runners doing kind of the same stuff or were you kind of sort of training well, that path a little bit it gave me an edge psychologically I think because I felt I was doing something special here you know Different. yeah, yeah. yeah. so in my own mind yeah exactly I was big into skipping and all that and I felt that oh, that okay. yeah so I think it gave me that psychologically genuine anyway. I think there's a great you're training in the woods I mean the, the trees they'll, they'll leave off the an energy anyway and you know and, yeah, okay. yeah and then I suppose after the session I would finish in the woods which was right beside a river and straight into the, the cold water for the for so the later you recovery. know wow. for the recovery yeah, yeah. you know because I know you put a I've written this I'm mad for quotes me mm. but <laughs> it is a uh, is it impossible to walk, run, and was it train in the is it the woods, or um, and be in a bad mood? Basically, it's great. It's very hard to. And I say I, I did a thing with I was doing some stuff with Sean Taff, and he was doing a thing for his wellness boot camp for his customers the last day. And I said that, so, and I see it all the time in here. You see people coming in not in great form, and they're leaving, they're bouncing out the doors. Very oh, hard oh, not yeah. to feel. Uh, or very hard to feel negative when you've moved your body mm-hmm. and you know those natural um, chemicals being released and then you're in nature like you were doing which is mm-hmm. that's a win-win do you know oh it's a, it's yeah, a, it's a win-win yeah it is yeah you can have like it's a natural you know oh no once you get once you get have the ability to do as we talked a bit before we started chatting but mm-hmm. it's just doing it <laughs> you just get that adrenal, yeah. adrenaline going in, in the body and you know you yeah. feel so good after it um, so just in the time frame then of you started you're into the juniors in getting onto the Irish panel then in regards to sort of the panel towards the Olympics down the line, how did that work out then from your road? It was, was it kind of track and road running and then that led to the Irish sort of setup? Or? Um, I suppose what happened to me was cross country was the first thing that got me involved, you oh, know, the cross country. The cross country. Uh, and I got on the Irish panel for cross country and uh, got to compete for Ireland in, in Crystal Palace and Gateshead and, and the they're team. Big, and big in they were big venues yeah, in England yeah, at the yeah. time. And, and, and the great thing at the time was that John Tracy was on those teams as well. And John had, you know John was as you know won the world cross country on two occasions so um, that was a great buzz for me to be on the same team as John and meeting meeting, being his teammate you know okay I was a long way behind him but I was still his teammate you know so um, yeah so that was giving me huge confidence of course uh, and the 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 thing about that is you're you're talking to other guys and you're picking up little tips about training from them as well at that at that level and I remember one time competing in Gates said and I think I had, I was on a roll in the county championships. I had won the Kerry Senior title at this stage. I think maybe it was at eight and nine times in succession. And I wanted to keep it going. And I had to rush back from Gateshead um, to be back into Killarney in time for the for the Kerry Cross Country the following day. And I, and I, yeah, and I just made it. I think with like a half hour to spare. Yeah, and, right. I, and, I, and I and I and I won it as well. <laughs> and I won it, you know. So, but that was the kind of you know those kind of things that keep you to keep keep you going, you know. Yeah. 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 No, that's amazing. And then the the nineteen eighty four was the Olympics, and how did that pan out in regards to selection? Mm-hmm. And you went on, you went on, you went on to a training camp, and 
what happened there was I suppose I would say I, I didn't have great speed at any stage of my career 5,000 meters was the shortest event really that I would have had any any success at now yeah. I had ran 1355 in the Cork City Sports and uh, I was only 22 at the time and I think wow. 1355 was quite good time then as yeah. and uh, that got me on the panel for the Olympics um, however I suppose for me the problem was there was a there was a hype and there was a major attraction to road running. It was a carnival like atmosphere. Every village in the county had so road it. Yes, out in the streets. Yeah, yeah. And whereas on the track you didn't have that atmosphere whatsoever, yes. unless you were good enough to be at international level all the time, which I wasn't. So I comp- I ended up going kind of drifting away from the track then and concentrating on the road, road yeah. the roads and traveling to roads. And the other side of it, of course, was there was good money in the roads at the time. Was it? There was oh, good yeah. money in the roads. Yeah, wow. and. And uh, I mean, races generally that time was you were looking at four and five hundred for winning a race that time, you know. So, yeah. Um, So that kind of took me away from concentrating on the the track and the Olympics. And I think had I concentrated, I think I still would have been a little bit short. I didn't have the speed for that, you know. So. Um, for yeah, me, experience-wise, I'd say would have been it would have yeah. been nice to it would have been nice to say I had made the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, of course yeah. it was. But as I say, the and road even the experience of you know being on panel on the panel with those guys. Oh the, yeah, the, gosh the yeah. Coaches and, you know, and I got to spend two weeks with with the with the, with that Olympic panel over in Italy. You know, which was lovely to see. Yeah, you know, spend two weeks in in a wall and weather training camp. Wow. So I suppose for me, look, my strongest um, we'd say mainstream athletics event was the, was the half marathon, and okay. that that was not that was an thing, yeah. that was not an Olympic event. Yeah, and then from sort of then from the roads, and I've seen some good pictures inside with, as I said, with lines of people, and I say it was a great atmosphere, the road running. Um, and there's a good story about the Sligo Warriors thing, and we'll come back to that later on. <laughs> You'll probably know what I'm going to be asking you about, but that was a really funny story. But uh, really good sort of bookending that one, really nicely. But uh, um, you then obviously you had a love for the, for the outdoors, for the mountains, and then transitioning then from roads to mountains how did that kind of happen and then mm-hmm. obviously then you know your mountain running career then took off that that actually happened quite accidentally because uh, our club was travelling to the Isle of Man for an athletic event, the Easter Athletics Festival, which was a three-day event which consisted of a five-mile road race on Good Friday, a relay on the uh, sorry, the road, the five-mile road race on the Good Friday. Then you had a mountain race on the Saturday, and you had a three-mile relay race on the Sunday. Yeah and i traveled over and i ended up the first time i did it i finished third in the road race on the friday night i won the hill race the following day against the same opposition without totally at my ease and then on the sunday i was back to third again on the road race so that was food for thought uh as as to how come i was i was uh doing so well on the hill so that was the start and then like you said a few minutes ago there was a race on in ireland then which had a thousand pounds for the winner a mountain race and that was what really got me convinced that mountain that was, Euros. That was wow. it yeah <laughs> um uh, and that kind of got you into the and uh, when was the the first time uh, obviously you've probably been you know on Karen tour before but when did when did your i suppose a love for Karen tour come 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 to pass mm-hmm. um, um <clears throat> yeah it would be under the early to mid 80s really um yeah and as the first Karen Tool race there was in, I think was it was it that I took part and was around eighty five or eighty six I think you know. And just for the guys who didn't doesn't know to maybe not heard of it or it's obviously Ireland's highest peak. And what's the the height of it again? It's three four, three four one four in 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 the yeah. imperial measurements. Yeah. yeah. 
So, um, and I just quoted, literally, I, I kind of made a little marker here because I just wanted to um, just quote from the, from the book and it was Mind Over Matter, <laughs> the section, A Recipe for Success. So one of my greatest joys in life is to share the beauty, peace and tranquility of Ireland's highest mountain, Carantua. Now, how do you pronounce that, Carantua or Carantua? It's, it's various, depends what part, <laughs> of the, what part of the country you're from. Yeah, so yeah, I'll quote that again. One of my greatest joys in life is to share the beauty, peace and tranquility of Ireland's highest mountain, Carantua with as many of my friends and the wider community as possible. Just explain, if you can, and it's hard to sum up, but what that mountain is for you and, and just the, I've, I've been up it, but not, not run up it, but I've been up it, it's, it's, and it's a really beautiful day, and it's, it's, it's stunning. It would, it would kind of take your breath away. Just maybe talk us through the mountain. And well, it is definitely is a mountain of many moods, really, because, you know, I suppose when I was taking my friends there, I was always going on particularly very fine days, and it, it's the most beautiful place you can be, the smell of heather, the, the lakes, everything about yeah. it is, it's you just want to stay there, you know. Um, of course it has the other side it has the cold it has the ice the frost and the snow and it's the last place on earth you want to be some days you know but um i suppose for me for me it was always it was my escape if i if, if i wanted to get away and clear the head or whatever and then through the years i suppose the, with the racing um it, you know it, it became very much part and parcel then of my athletic career as well you know yeah because um, as i said in the intro you um i think i mentioned it but you won that um race uh, the Carantou mountain race 19 times <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of my mind blowing it's nearly two decades and it was kind of was it 14 15 in a row and then were you sick one year or something but like yes that's incredible and um you suppose uh, i'd say you drew and just from your book it drew a lot of athletes from all over the world i'd say to, to kind of come over and, and and to challenge for it um uh, yeah how i think one of the questions was you know, that consistency, John, and um, the, your drive to carry on training and that sort of internal belief that you can keep going and win um, and compete at that level and to win 19 times, just maybe try and put that in a bit of sort of uh, context for guys. Yeah, I suppose, look, as you say, 19 times, you know, um, it's a long span of, of time. Uh, I suppose I remember on the 13th occasion when I won it, there was a guy from the UK was competing. And I remember he said something to me that day. He said, you know, like I'd won it 13 times. And, you know, he said to actually turn up and run it 13 times is, <laughs> yeah. is a commitment, let alone winning it. He said exactly. 13 times, you know. Exactly. Um, I, I, I suppose the other the other side the other side of it is that um, as as I was winning those races, you know, as you begin to believe more and more in yourself, and I think when you're on a winning streak like that, it is it's yeah. it, it's almost easier, you know. Yeah. Um, because I think if the guys coming in, the opposition are coming in as well and taking part, and they began to have this doubt in themselves if you can if you can push the opponent at all, and you, you, he knows you have won it seven or eight times, uh, he, he, and you start pushing and opening a little gap at all on him, he, he begins to create a doubt you know yeah. so it can actually funny enough it can get easier um the, right. the more that the more that build up obviously you're getting older which doesn't help but outside of that yeah yeah, yeah. um and i had um i had uh pat Fowley who's been on the podcast and stuff and um uh you know the uh guys my fellow i said kind of uh, an irish adventurer who's who's um could be some of the highest peaks and basically i I think it was the summit. Do you know the the film about the yes. P two and yes. Terry McDonald and mm-hmm. and there was a focus group up at the up at his lodge and basically it just went around the room and I, I was asked up just to, we watched the film and there was writers there to write the book and stuff so everyone was going to ask a question and I thought it was stunning you know it was 
it's a really harrowing story, but it's it's, it's um, it was a powerful um, documentary. But anyways, my my question was, I think it was the statistics was one in four people don't make it back from from K two, so it's kind of how do you get into that sort of mindset of to do you know mindset of knowing those odds mm-hmm. <laughs> but still going and kind of he was saying was was for adventurers or insurance stuff is kind of kind of doing things that um not many people would be able to do or see or or achieve and it's kind of that it's an internal sort of drive that kind of you know blocks everything else out and just the willingness to achieve but just say in your own um career and things in the mountains and keeping going and you know you have to have a strong mindset and we'll go on about you know that you know the, the, the little injury you would say little injury you had a you know your a big injury on the top of count all but um you know that is that kind of a similar that mindset just to to kind of maybe keep going even when the naysayers know and you know that you know you're you're getting older and you can't you know what was that drive just try and put that in it's hard to put into words it is hard to put into words but again it is a mindset and it's something okay i think it's naturally in you or it isn't you know but at the same time i think it is something that you can improve and believe in yourself you know um but like you say, it's, it's very it's very hard to put it into words. But I I know exactly what you know what Pat was saying, and I'd be good friends with Pat. But yeah, of course it is. You know, like when I had seven or eight current tools, when I wanted to make it eight, I want to make it nine, and that yeah. drive is there. You want to make it something that's going to be very difficult for somebody to beat down the line. So you want to do you want to yeah. at the end of it, you want to be the one that that stands out. You know. Yeah. And just saying that were hard to beat. And was it nineteen eighty eight? You set the record. Is that still? It is now. I know they changed the route. Yeah, yeah. that's that changed the route in in the late in later yeah. years. Yeah. But uh, as I said at the beginning, one hour eleven minutes. That's kind of that's just incredible. Like. Uh, I think what I was doing, what I started doing then after that was I started to train from Cronin's Yard to the summit of Carantool and back and that would be a shorter route obviously. So when when I was going on a training run then I would go back to Cronin's Yard but my target was you know to be under the hour and 54 yeah. minutes was wow. my was my time wow. from from Cronin's oh, to the wow. top and back to Cronin's yard yeah wow that's 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 incredible and just you know and if people don't know the mountain it's the it's the it's a difficult uh ascent but even maybe more difficult descent so was it the case you're on it so much i'm just trying to kind of get my head around it uh, you know knowing every sort of part of the path where to put your foot having confidence your joints are obviously going to be under pressure but the fact you've you trained so much over the years that you obviously your your joints are pretty you know obviously very strong and you knew where to put your feet when you're pretty much probably sprinting, I say full-on three-quarter pace anyways or sprinting down but yeah talk us through the, the that and was that were you was it the down phase, the d- descent that was your, were you better at or was it just a bit of both? You had some outstanding guys in Ireland, but it's outstanding climbers and outstanding descenders, but they were weak in one, one, one discipline of it. Yeah. I was pretty good on both, but there was guys in the country who could climb faster than me. There was guys in the country who could descend faster than me, yeah. but I had a great balance of the two, you know, and... Uh, yeah. Um, I think that was kind of what made me kind of maybe brought me clear of the of the pack, the fact that I had a good a good a good discipline balance yeah. of both disciplines, you know. Yeah. Um, tell us a little about that, the John Brooks story. I found that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Where, mm-hmm. And you said you got a bit of slack for it, um, but it's it's a, it's 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 an amazing sportsmanship, and 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 I loved it because it was like basically what it was. He, I think he was he was this, was he ahead of you? I think. 
at the top, but he kind of went off track a bit. A bit yes. A bit he didn't really know the route, and you said you called him back and said, "Oh no, it's this that, way. That's right. John John was a big a big name in Scotland at the time, winning winning numerous races in Scotland, and he came to live here in Ireland for a while. And the previous weekend, we had met above in Wicklow in, in a race, and I had tra- driven up to Wicklow that morning, and I was very lethargic when I got out of the car. It was in a really bad position at the top, in seventh position, but I had a vicious descent on the day, and I actually ended up pipping John Brooks at the finish. Okay. So that set us up then for a very interesting duel on Karen Tool the following weekend. Okay. And uh, we climbed pretty much together. Um, as we turned at the cross practically together, John opened a bit of a lead on me as we came back from the cross. But I could see that John was heading for the, the there's, a, there's a Y on the track as you come down. And instead of going left for Car, John kept to the right going towards Bean Carrick. Uh, which I knew was taking him yeah. off on a total wrong route. So I actually, I called him back. I called him back and, 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 and the missed. I pointed to him that to, to turn the other way, which he did, you know. And John John beat me that day, you know, and I suppose I was delighted that even though he beat me, I was delighted he didn't beat my time, which was important because I was in my 40s at this stage and I think I was in my mid-40s at this stage. Okay. So, and, um, and, and it was great, you know, and I had absolutely... No regrets in what I did because there was no point in I winning the race if John was after going down a different mountain, you know. No, it wouldn't have made anything to me. It wouldn't have made anything to me. So I I came out of that race feeling very proud that I had had, um, that I had taken the decision to call John back and put him on the right track, even if he did beat me in the end so hot. Um, so I suppose yes I did take a lot of stick afterwards I suppose you know again we all know what it's like in sport if, if, if you win everyone wants to know you but if you if you don't they're very quick to knock you and I took a lot of abuse for that you know um, for, for, for that decision that day but never since have I had any regret I, I took the right decision as far as I'm concerned 100% and it would be the same it's yeah. kind of it wouldn't have, would have been the same win no <clears throat> you wouldn't have felt the same anyway, you know? um, and I think in the forward to your book there Tough as Leather um I think there's John Tracy you're talking about, but embracing pain, <coughs> embracing pain. So that's kind of part of it. And I'm sure you've had pain and aches and, and cuts and bruises coming down. And I remember that story about the the sock and the staple and the, the sock. staple and and um, and obviously the adrenaline and stuff. Um, some people will get to a point where they feel a bit of pain and stop, and they're like, "Oh, that's not for me." But kind of going through that and, and kind of um, I suppose in a way embracing you embrace it. Yeah, you, you can embrace. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and what I say to people as well is, we need to get used to being comfortable, being uncomfortable. If you know what I mean, because that's when we 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 reach things, we achieve things, and we're going past where that zone or that you know on the cliff edge, and we're a bit like you know obviously the brain the brain doesn't want us to take risks, so it wants us to keep us safe and and no pain free and and. and did you find that from an early age you could push past that? Um, and it's exactly what you say. It's pushing past. That. It's, it's like there's a little peak there. You reach that stage. It's like there's a little peak. But if you can push past that little peak barrier, it's not so bad then. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um, and, 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 and I found I found that. And I found that I, I actually, as you said there, I found I was able to embrace embrace a bit of pain and feel the better for it afterwards, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that does... That does help. And then into the cold pools and still cover. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose at the time I didn't realise, but should that turned out to be a big thing with sports people afterwards. I, I, no, I had only read about it in in the Arthur Lilliard book, uh, the great New Zealander, and he used to oh, do that, okay. you know. And uh, a friend of mine had given me his book very early in my career, probably in the first few months of my career. He had given me the book to read, and that was one of the things he did. And uh, I tried it, and I found it to be great success because the first few seconds you stand in the water, it feels terrible, but give it f- about five, ten seconds, and it's like you can feel all. The, the soreness easing out of your joints and you could stand there for ages then you know and 
you come back out of the water and there's this lovely warm glow in your legs after a few minutes you know yeah. so um yeah that was a big part a big part of my trip but as we saw later in 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 the sport in the sporting world it became a big part of with ice bats and all that and you know new, there's actually a new recovery place opened in Killarney actually which is mm-hmm. they have the the cold pools and they have yeah. the recovery yeah. <coughs> the boots and all this so this is a huge part and i think recovery especially i suppose in your um with, with the the impact and the, and the pressure that the muscle is going to be on is even mm. more heightened to recover I suppose because as you said earlier some races are fairly you know mm-hmm. you're, you're flying back from here and then you're yeah. you're doing this so yeah. your recovery comes even more which has it then does. gives you an edge over your competitive potential it does and of course it makes sense now you know because in the in the cold water you were reducing any potential swelling that was building up or any damage that was done anyway you know yeah. and and that was uh, it was it was speeding your it was speeding your recovery which to me was I mean I was running up to generally 120 miles a week but up to 150 it was my highest in a week running so it was important for me to recover quickly so i could maintain my volume of training and just briefly on that i know someone said to me in recent years that if it was now i wouldn't have to do that kind of mileage but that i could you know it can obviously be subsidized by doing gym work which is yeah. fine for some but for me i loved what i was doing it wasn't a chore you just wanted, you loved the i loved the running you, yes i loved it so it was away from yeah. his escape as you it was my escape so it was no chore to me i, I loved it yeah no that's amazing and as you see, you see people kind of going into the water or the sea or the lake and they're like kind of very tepidly going in and then they'll run mm. back out. But it's, mm. as you said, it's getting past that first little bit of the uncomfortable and then it will ease. It is, exactly. Just, yeah. People can't get past that. Can't get past so that, good, yeah. Good, yeah. But they, they can, if it's just that self-belief. And um, there's a chapter there, I think it was, I don't think, I think it was called, I'll put it in quotes, I'm, 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 I'm going to die, um, which is a pretty powerful statement. And... Just to give give guys the heads up, I think it was 1999. 1999, yes. And you said, you can correct me if I'm wrong with some of this, but I think you'd just come back from somewhere you were abroad. I was in the the worlds in Malaysia. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. um, (coughs) A days in and you were bored and you said, I'm going to go for a little run. I'm going to go for (laughs) a little run. Where Um, else? Where else? My uh, my second home. Yeah, your second home. And you didn't really tell anyone where you you were doing, uh, your wife or kind of, was you, yeah, you just kind of went off and, with the singlet on the shorts and uh, the weather as you said earlier on the weather can turn quite quickly but yeah talk us through it because you you injured mm-hmm. you you, you, you broke, broke i broke your ankle, i broke, broke my ankle. ankle i broke my ankle yeah. that's and right yeah 400 meters from the summit you know i was really? 400 meters from the summit yeah, yeah it was almost yeah. on your own and you know that's pretty scary situation that me. was yeah I, I i really did i was lucky to come through that because uh it, was, it came down to a decision really that saved me that day um initially oh, really? yeah now i suppose the first time in my life that i actually had taken a little bum bag on my around my waist with um with uh, a windbreaker I had never previously taken anything with me. I was lucky to have that. So I headed off up Cahar. Like you said, I hadn't told anybody because I probably would have been discouraged from doing it if if I had. So I headed off and I met a group of people on Cahar who said to me, and I still don't know who they are to this day, but they said to me, they knew me and they said, John, they said the the hailstone, it's very bad. It's very exposed on the ridge across the Cairn Tool. We are turning back. Now, not for a second did I think of turning back. So I can't, no, it wasn't me. So I had kind of now I had gone right across the ridge. I had gone across the ridge, and I was on the final bit, just the final step off, before I start climbing to the cross. And as I stepped off, it rolled, my, it rolled and oh. I just I just fell. And I still didn't realize. I thought I had just rolled on a stone, 
and it was when I stood up and tried to put my leg under me that it just flipped over oh, and it was then and I wasn't in any real pain as such at the time but uh, it's just my leg I, I, I just every time I put the weight on it it flipped over you, just didn't you know I didn't know it whatsoever and I suppose the pain began to come in slowly and then I kind of realised that when I was I put on my jacket immediately uh, I took off my I took off my wet t-shirt and um uh, I switched them around, I put on the one that was outside, put that in any other skin, I put on my windbreaker to try and keep myself as warm as I could. And I could see the valley below where I needed to be. So I decided to go down a gully beside me, which I had never explored. Well, the steeper the gully, the easier it was for me to go down because I could keep one leg in there and I could just work away on my hands and the other leg. And I was almost down when I came to a sheer rock and I was kind of looking at it and there was water running on it and I was tempted because I just, I, all I could see was a hundred meters below it I was out of trouble I was in the valley were, yeah. and I was in the shelter and it was so so tempting it was crazy just, tempting just kind of it would have been suicidal yeah, it would have yeah. been suicidal yeah. and it took all my willpower to convince myself to turn and back up yeah, go, yeah and to go back up the gully again you know so that going back up the gully that must have been uh, that was tough that was tough uh believe it or not the toughest part of it was traveling in the areas coming off car that wasn't that steep i was doing okay on the steeper ground i was doing much better on the steeper ground it was it was a level ground i had no way of propelling myself along on the one leg you know yeah. um but look you know it was a long battle i was lucky i was so fit um that because kind of it saved me because tiredness was not an issue uh i was lucky i suppose that i was used to experiencing a lot of pain i was able to cope with that pain yeah. as well and yeah and 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 uh, eventually eventually i did i uh, again it was the first time having a mobile phone with me as well that day but i did eventually manage to make contact with so my sister i very lucky yeah. i was extremely yeah. lucky in that yeah. day and, and my, did you yeah. kind of think you know i'm banging trouble here at some stage did you ever or do you think I knew I was in trouble, but I never for one second, I suppose, did I think that I wouldn't get out of it. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. that never into me. Yeah, I knew I'd find a way. Yeah. I knew, yeah. Um, that's actually one of the quotes, my quote I made up actually in on the gym wall there. There's, you know, always look at what, always look, look at what you can do, not what you can't. So it's just a matter mm-hmm. of finding a way. So finding you, a way. You know, you were, yeah. that's what you did. You said you knew I could get out of his yeah, some way. It took a few hours to get down there, did it? It, did, it took a few hours. A friend of mine, as well, that. A friend of mine mentioned one time, and I thought it was a good way. She quoted about like life is like a river, you know, and that when it comes to an obstacle, it doesn't stop because there's a stone in the river. It'll find a way around it or it'll find a way over it, you know. Okay. And she said, life life is like that, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it I, goes back. I love that. And I yeah. Find, you know, when I'm talking about kind of success and, and successful people, it's kind of like, you know, they'll see uh, a, a block in the road or a block in the stream as just, uh, mm-hmm. okay, that. You know, I'll just find a different way. A different I'm way. I'm going to get to where I'm going to get to. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly. Sure. It's just I'm going to try. It. That's a bit of a dead end here. I'm going to head this way, rather than other people would say that's the dead end. I didn't. Oh, it's not for me. I'm going to stop. They're going to stop. Yeah. You know, and, so, and you, but you're always you're always looking for a way out. They say yeah. that in sport as well. That yeah. you know, they say look, you know, you might not be able to beat your opponent in one discipline, but you'll find he has a weakness in some discipline, and that's the one to beat him in. You yeah. Know. And just on that, uh, just came through there. Did you? You said you did. You did your homework and research on, you know, the other runners and competitors. Did mm-hmm. you? Did you study them? Did you study the the, the race, the trail, or like the dis, You know, the, the the way it was, or did you kind of do a bit of research? I research probably would be an exaggeration, but at the same time, going into a race uh, over the, obviously over the years, I got to know the other competitors. I got to know who was a, a sprint, a good sprint finisher. Um, I got to know their tactics, you know, yeah. and uh, so it wasn't that I studied them, but obviously, yeah, you learn as you compete you against people. Weaknesses and where it was a good time to attack. Exactly, yeah. and you maintain you maintain that information 
position in your in your own head and you know when you come up against an opponent the best way to, to tackle him then yeah um, and that see that Vince Lombardi you quote him and he's he's a uh, he's a, a famous NFL coaches it's not whether you you get uh, knocked down it's whether you can get up so it's kind of, we're all going to get knocked down in life um, it's just as you said uh, Les Brown who's a big motivational speaker and I love hearing him over the years and he said, if you ever fall down in life, make sure you fall on your back. He said, because if you can look up, you can get up. Can I get thought up. that was brilliant. Yeah. Very that good. Yeah, of, uh, absolutely. You know, you yeah. Kind of a, um, so uh, you obviously recovered for that. And I remember I, I saw the story of you, you the rehab. <laughs> you were, you couldn't sit still probably. And you were mad, obviously, because your life was training, your life was running. You are in a cast. You had a pair of crutches, and you went through a few pairs of crutches by the sound of it. You were going around the garden. Oh, talk, talk me through that. Your hands were all blistered. You were kind of doing laps. Where you yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. After a couple of days, I was I was in hospital for a week at the time because I had a lot of damage done from trying to get off oh, the yeah. mountain. What did that nurse say to you? Actually? Well, that was yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, you when, thought she was a fan. I did, yeah, because I remember I was taken down to theatre that night, and they were saying they probably would have to perform surgery on the leg. And I remember going into the theatre, and all these bright lights, and you know, a bit intimidating. And then one nurse come over to me. She said, "Do you the guy?" that was on television recently running down the mountains I was absolutely I was delighted I said I have a fan here yeah, now anyway, you know. yeah and then her next words absolutely floored me she goes you know what I, I saw that programme and you know what I expected to see you in here a lot sooner you know so she, she burst my bubble she burst my bubble very quick you know like oh thanks uh, I thought you might sign this for you know? um, she thought she'd see you a bit earlier than that exactly yeah, yeah no. <clears throat> So um, you went in, and it was a bad. And what was, did you actually do? Was it you? You broke the the, the shin bone. Was it the? It, it was. It was. It was one of the bones on the ankle. I had okay. broke. I, bro- I had broken. Yeah, but I had done a lot of damage. They, they decided at the time they would send me up to is it Kappa? I think is it called the hospital in Dublin. Oh, yes, that yes. sent me up to that. However, the guy, the head guy there, was actually abroad with the the team, the footballers, the the Australian rules. He oh, was okay. he was abroad with them at the time, so he wasn't there. So then I remember what the doctor said to me: "We'll do the best we can for you here." So that didn't That's inspire okay. confidence no, but you know and did um, they say about you want to be able to run oh well, I was when I, when I um, when I woke up after after now they didn't have to perform surgery they were able to manipulate it back into place and all that okay. so but when I woke up he did tell me that I would not race again and that I would have a limp for life and then in your own head you were like well I am gonna oh yeah I, I hear you but I don't believe you <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a second opinion yeah <laughs> yeah um, you knew yourself that you, you would yeah. but again that's quite scary probably for someone to say to you initially if it like, is what? yeah um, and you're in a cast and you bored after a couple of days of convalescing absolutely and, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you were like how can I how can I train with the cast on and the cast what on. came to you then? <laughs> so I decided, yeah, sure. Look, I can do laps of the field with the crutches anyway. So I headed off and I oh, remember body work, uh, right? uh, exactly, and I remember straight away anyway. The, the you know you know the, the the robbers at the end of the crutches straight away that they were gone straight away in the field. So I said, right, okay, gone, I don't, they, into the pocket, take pull them up out of the mud, put them in the pocket. I don't need them, and <laughs> off I started. And I did actually. It was great. I was great. I come back in a ladder of sweat and you know and the you know the adrenaline was flowing and it was like after doing a session you know half an hour. Later, Later, 45 minutes later got longer as the time went on and you come back and you feel great after it now as I say unfortunately yeah. I did go through a couple of pairs of crutches because I don't think they were built for that and uh, I had a couple of breakages and things like that <laughs> alright you know but so look we got yeah, through it you did you came back um, I want to take you back now to probably one of the, the, the most amazing things in regards to your, your um, athletic career up in the Swiss Alps 1991 um We'll take you back there now. I'm sure it's a great memory that you, you like going back to, as, as anyone would. But uh, talk me through, I've written a few little points here, um, the race 
um, running through that finishing tape and you know the the tricolor being lifted and the national anthem and coming back and the massive comeback uh, homecoming to Castle Island. Just talk us through that experience mm-hmm. and that the the, the 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 most pinnacle of any achievement, like you know the world championships. Yeah, that was uh, 1991. I suppose I suppose to, to tell the story properly, I have to jump back briefly to 1990, 1990 in Austria, where yeah. I had collapsed on the course and I, I had yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. and I had ended up in in the ambulance and I I had gone unconscious. And I woke up in one of these heated tents high up in the mountain because it was an uphill only race. Now, um, on that occasion, that particular evening, I think I must have been the biggest pain in the village because I was telling everybody that I was retiring and that I was never again going to compete, you know. And um, when I came back to Ireland, I suppose that attitude did not change for a couple of months. Um, because I've had enough I've I've been in the top six in the world on a couple of occasions I had this dream of finishing and getting on the podium someday and now I kind of realise you know it's gone I'm I'm 30 years of age 1990 I'm 30 years of age it's not going to happen Uh, but of course I didn't that happened you know the the fighting the fighting instinct comes back you say I don't want to finish my career like this I give it another go and I trained hard again for 1991 I had a very good run of it with training that year Uh, went over to to Switzerland and uh, had a look at the course. I, I knew the course would suit me from what I see because it was it was a roadrunner's course in the sense that you had a steep climb, but you had a very fast, uh, smooth descent where I could use my road speed. That you know, your, and you, yeah, yeah. so I knew definitely that I was this, if if I was ever going to have a good run, I should have a good run here. It was a two lap course. First lap, I was well down the field, began to make my way through. Uh, on the second lap on the descent, I took the lead and. Uh, and once I took the lead, I just I just drove on, on as hard as I could because it was impossible for me to know what was going on behind me or how close the other person was, and uh, it was it was just incredible because all the home countries came behind me the the Scots the English the the the, the, the Welsh they all came behind the, the Irishman you know yeah. and I got huge support and uh, it was I should look it was it was coming through the village like coming through the the, the town that day and it was just packed crowds, with people yeah. the crowds it was a wonderful it was a wonderful but I suppose look. Emotionally, it was the raising, the the, the raising of the tricolor and and the, yeah, and the yeah. national anthem. It was oh wow, this 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 is exactly this is know, the pinnacle. And you're you up, know, you know, running in the the in clinic in tea growing up and, and going from kind of rural Ireland the Sherwood Forest. Yes, to, that's right. To the Swiss Alps on to the, the podium gold medal. Uh, some, that, some, yeah, exactly, exactly. So team. yeah, so that was oh yeah, that was kind of I had to pinch myself to was this really happening? You know, and you had some homecoming and some homecoming, <laughs> some homecoming. I travelled back to to, to travel back to Ireland and they set up a, a great bonfires and everything down in Kerry. But sure, I didn't I didn't know that and I headed straight to Sligo because the Warriors race had been such a tradition for me. I headed to Sligo oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, they put on a big night in in the airport like, where's john well, john, <laughs> john is up in sligo in the in, in have at a celebration See, in the yeah, airport in, yeah, in, in strand hill so then we had when i came home eventually there was yeah yeah um and just going on the worries that you might as well keep there now we mentioned mm-hmm. it and strand hill uh, it, i think that's i'm pretty sure i was in i was at home my parents live in williamstown it's near the border of roscommon and mayo basically um and I was in, I think it was between Christmas and New Year. Obviously, there wasn't good much going on, so I was at home and I said, I'm going to head to Sligo. <laughs> just, I looked at, I looked on Google Maps. I think it was Strand Hill. I think it, I just, the, I said the closest sort of, I know, coast or beach I get to, uh, it could have been Strand Hill. I think it was. And I just headed off there um, to about an hour and 10 minutes to get there. And I spent the day there, beautiful walking across Sand Dunes, found this lovely little sort of a bay and a cove kind of thing. Um, 
But uh, the, the, yeah, it, it fascinating because I remember just from the the Warriors race. We might as well kind of talk about it now because now, now we brought it up. Um, Nineteen eighty five um, was your first one, I think, and you ended up winning that, wasn't it? Uh, That's correct. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Twenty years later, you came I back remember I, I I I bought a car. Uh, oh yeah, what was that? I, I bought a car for a hundred for a hundred pounds. <laughs> Um, off, off my cousin in Trelly uh, wow. in the garage and uh, headed off and there was only one problem if you put the car into second gear you couldn't get it out so you'd have to get out with it. he gave me a bar and all now in fairness to me he provided the bar and all and you opened <laughs> threw, threw in the bar for, <laughs> threw in the bar for free so you opened the bonnet he showed me where to stick the bar into the gearbox how to get it out of gear so that's how I made my way to, to Sligo anyway um, yeah when I got to Sligo there was a big talk about uh um, there was an Eng- there was an Englishman over Kenny Stewart from England. He was the world champion that year in mountain running, and of course all all the focus was on him. Oh, you know, yeah. uh, the race was uphill only, finishing at the top, and it was filmed by Saturday Sport. So they were helicopter and they had ground cameras and huge, wow. yeah, huge. Brendan O'Reilly was the big thing at the time, and he was commentary commentating on it as well. You know, okay. um, so I remember that heading off, and there was a couple of D- Danny McDade was a big thing in Irish athletics. Noel Harvey had won the Irish cross country title. They were all in it because the thousand pound was a big attraction um but the, the surprising thing was when, once we hit the mountain these great the great cross-country runners and things like that they they, they drifted back through the field yeah. you know and we came to the stage there was only kenny and myself together as we were uh, going up maybe three quarter ways up the mountain and this was where the battle came in with myself to, to, you know fighting my own mental battle because here you have a guy in front of you he's kenny stewart he's the reigning world champion and you're kind of thinking and I remember thinking at the time there's a thousand pounds for me and I was thinking what was I going to get for a second I'd surely get 500 or 600 yeah, yeah, for a second yeah, yeah. and all these things were going through my head like a whirlwind and so then I tried, I'll just you know yeah, it's it, it so easy just to tuck yeah. in and stay where I was you know and then I kind of realised well okay there's nobody close to me for third and I this was all going through and I can, at least I'll have a go and if I do mess myself mess up by you know blow up um i'm still pretty well safe for a second so i said i'd have a go at him and i passed him and the best thing the world happened he never came with me and it was kind of wow now my confidence was building this guy wasn't coming with me you know and of course once i got his was 10 meters there was no hold to me because now my confidence was peaking you know this guy is in trouble he's you know and i i I, I have him and i and i I drove on and, and, and i won it and i remember kenny comes up to me and he just says where the hell did you come from? Because he knew the Irish mountain runners. Yeah, yeah. You know, he didn't know, you, he really. didn't know who the heck no, I was. You know, time. I was twenty-five at the time. Wow. You know, and uh, so yeah, so I won. I won the thousand euros, and I remember that that night of the presentation. You probably saw that in the book as well. I remember watching specifically what would Kenny get for a second because I felt that yeah, 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 should yeah. have been me. You know, what I could have been a souvenir buyer from Sligo. It was winner take. Yeah, a buyer. It was winner take all. And many years later, I remember I were a walking weekend in England, and I made contact with Kenny Stewart in the Lake District and asked him to join our walking club for for a meal that night. Yeah. And Kenny brought up the Stewart the the story about. You remember? Did you hear how John Lennon robbed me of a thousand pounds in Ireland? You know. But Kenny, Kenny took it a stage further because he mentioned about him getting the biro, and he says <laughs> to add insult to injury, they wrote John Lennon's check with my biro. Oh, yeah, no, I don't think that was true. Yeah, it made, it made, it made it, a good story. Yeah, it made a good story. Geez, yeah, that's a brilliant story. Yeah. And just on that fear thing, it's quite interesting because, like, as in, you know, he's, um, you know, he's the champion or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of nearly scared to go past him, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I remember I used, I used a couple of examples in um, in some of my talks. Like when I was younger, primary school, we were going to learn to the local swimming pool to go swimming, and 
I couldn't really swim that well, to be honest. Like, I just doggy paddle for a little bit, but like the teacher's like, okay, whoever can swim a full length, and this was a fairly long pool, you're in top group, so who can do that? And I was like, you know, hands went up. Mm-hmm. And this is a child, like, you know, child that no fit. So I was like, yeah, I can do that. And then I kind of, I managed to, I don't know how I stayed in that group, I just managed to kind of doggy paddle my way around. But anyways, but then like you there, maybe I was 15, 16, so I was a good few years old. I was secondary school, I was playing rugby, and we were playing against, it was a big rugby school, we were playing against our rivals and I was playing for the first team and I was only sort of 15 and I was selected with the two or three of us from our year, the, the sixth form so they're like two years older mm-hmm. so I was on the left wing I was pretty quick back in the day <laughs> anyways the, I was near the touchline say I was left wing the touchline was here I had my winger here and their scrum was here and or well, there's a bit of a rut going on and the ball was at the back and it was a number eight feet or whatever so I was looking at it. Now this probably happened in the space of a few seconds, but I was looking at it and going, well, I pick it up and run here. Obviously I can't run that way. There's not much room, but I'm gonna go, I could go this way. But then if I, the coach might shout at me now and I might get in trouble. So I was having this <laughs> big back and forth. It's amazing. If I was at six, seven years old, I wouldn't have thought twice, picked it up. Right. But you, as you get older and that yes. kind of fear becomes in uh-huh. like that. And, and I, I did take the opportunity in the end and we scored a try from it. I picked it up, ran, sort of horizontally to start with through an outrageous dummy and then I went I cut the line mm-hmm. and then it was only me and the fullback I think but I gave it to the right winger who was probably a bit quicker than me and he scored mm-hmm. but at the end of the, the match the the, friend, the teacher who was my French teacher as well but he was the rugby teacher he was like and I was only sort of you know new into this panel he was like oh just want to you know a shout out there to, to Mike Michael Lindsay who who took the game by the scruff of the neck and you know and, and you know I don't know how we we won the game, not just on that try, but I say, but it was just the fact that he acknowledged it then that, right. and it's taken that opportunity because if I hadn't done, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. But for me, it was like, you know, I was just, it was just a back and forth before I actually went and did it. But I did it eventually. But like, like that, it's but kind was, of like, but there was funny. thousands, there was thousands of thoughts going through your mind <laughs> in, in a split second, really. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, going back to the worries there, I, I love this story because 20 years later, <clears throat> you were asked to come, you got a call and you got asked to come back and more kind of to start the race, <laughs> um, just be like starter. And um, I don't know if you were in your forties at the time, was it? Um, and uh, in and around, and they said, um, and you said, oh, I'm doing a bit of training. You know, I might, I might fall in <laughs> and do a bit of running. They're like, oh yeah, that'd be great. You know, you could start, and then we'll pick you up. <laughs> we'll pick you up in the car. Then at the bottom of the hill, and, I, and then this, it says in the book, a smile came across your face, <laughs> and you were like, okay. And I don't know if you watched the last dance documentary, Michael Jordan. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good documentary, but he only needed the slightest little thing. It would, would, would light his fire. Yes. <laughs> and mm. I felt that a similar thing then, and that phone call, and you were like, okay. But it was mm. fascinating because you went back to this place and that obviously you had a, 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 a love for and a draw for, and you stayed in the same guest house and B&B. And you went down and tell us. I went tell the rest of you. Correct. Yeah, you've you've told you've told it pretty well there. I remember working (laughs) in the farm. I got the phone call and it was exactly like you said. You know, John, we'd love you to come back. I would have been forty-five at then, I suppose. Uh, We'd love you to come back and start the race. I said, uh, I'm still running. I think I was just back from New Zealand at the time, and uh, I said, yeah, I'll I'll come up. And um, but I said, um, I I, I'd actually run the race. You know, that's a bit better still. You could run to the bottom of the hill and we pick you up there. (laughs) So I said, fine. We'll see how it goes. And the agreement was made. 
made I'd come up and I would take part in the race rather than starting it now my fitness was very good that year and uh, sure enough uh, we headed off I got to the bottom of the mountain there was certainly no stopping at the bottom of the mountain and um, I wasn't going to stop that was for sure and I went on and to cut the long story short I won the race uh, again uh, on the 21st anniversary of my first win and I remember that night going down to the presentation and there's a roll of honour board in the hall where they looked where all the winners are down through the years and I remember there was an American family standing directly in front of me when I came in and they were studying the board they were discussing about this guy that had won it the first five years then his name doesn't appear anymore until 21 years later the same name from the same county and I remember one of them turning to the other and saying of course he's probably a son now of the guy that won it those, those early years so I decided I'd let them be I'd say nothing I said at the presentation would explain everything I find that brilliant and then obviously they got a bit of an oh yeah, yeah yeah and then you're back of the check back to the same guest house I find that, 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 that that's a beautiful story yeah yeah it was, that was a great that was a great night all right yeah um uh, Sligo is a beautiful like I need to explore a bit more it's a stunning kind of county isn't it um, oh yeah put on Ben Bulb and all that area up there it's fabulous countryside yeah and um, I suppose uh, unfortunately like most things things come to uh, come to an end um, in regards to your running and it was kind of more so I suppose the the injury or you, you felt your hip was at you for a little while um, and um, I know it's on a totally different uh, level um, I came back out of retirement I probably shouldn't have gone in <laughs> or came out of it so and I ruptured my Achilles went back playing soccer and obviously the rehab from that is is kind of long and painstaking like like the hip um and it was kind of like I couldn't I found it hard really hard to kind of transition from playing something like I played my whole life um to not being able to do it um and just to where I remember seeing a video online where you talking about that and um you know it was a really tough time and you know you went through all these emotions and you know maybe there's a bit of depression and things like that wherever it was you can talk us through that and then you realize looking i think whether there's a book or a video that mm -hmm. that you know video. this is quite common in athletes um, who, who give it yeah talk us through <coughs> that process and something you so much passion for that was kind of you know taken yeah of course it was it yeah when i was forced into retirement it was wanting to decide to retire but i was forced into retiring because of an injury because i could no longer compete at the standard i was that competing used to, yeah. that i used to and uh, finishing down the field just didn't do it for me um so yeah i um when i when i was forced to retire uh it was a huge change to my lifestyle i mean here was something that i was doing uh twice a day every day and um the other thing that was happening i suppose i was no longer getting the phone calls from race organizers you know will you run here will you run there and the, you know and on all, all the kind of the, the jazz that goes with it you know yeah. yeah so that wasn't happening either you know so slowly but surely um i suppose i did i did there's no, no hesitation saying i did reach get in, get depressed over it because you know it yeah. was, that was your you life. know it was, that was my life you know um, to, um what kind of helped you out of that uh, just general i know it took a while and there's probably still a bit of you in there um, was it other people's experiences or helping you along or, or yeah. getting into the breakthrough yeah the breakthrough came for me without a shadow of a doubt one night I was at home and I was going through YouTube and I, I don't know how I ended up getting into this site about former sports athletes or sports stars and different different all different disciplines and retiring and how they dealt with retiring but the scary thing was the amount of people that had committed suicide yeah, after their careers were, were ended you know being, yeah. And then I began to read some of the success stories who had, like myself, had their had plummeted after their after their career, and then how they had built themselves back up. And 
that the healing started once I knew it wasn't just me. I, I thought it was just me. Yeah. And suddenly I realized, oh, hold on, this happens to so yeah. many guys. And now I could deal with it when it wasn't just me. Yeah. You know, and I think from that moment on, I, 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 I that was, you know, so they always say something can happen in life to change your life. Yeah. And that definitely changed my life right. that that night and on yeah, YouTube. There's, yeah. there's, there's hundreds of thousands of other athletes have gone through what I'm going through. Um, yeah. So I'm not on my own, you know. Not on my own. This is and a it, natural reaction to and have. It, yes, and it just shows as well that physically nothing had changed. Yeah. It was my mindset that had changed, yeah. you know. Yeah. Physically, everything was still the same. Yeah, yeah. But now my mindset had changed, and now I was looking at it in a far brighter situation. You know. Yeah, and that's amazing. You're just kind of literally kind of maybe stepping out of yourself a little bit. And yes. Kind of nearly a bird's eye and say, okay, let's see what's let's observe what's kind of happening here. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got my health, and you know, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm kind of I can still do various things. So just maybe mm-hmm. it's just letting go of that. And which is mm-hmm. that which is hard and I know you mm-hmm. mean because I'm the same and I, I started doing a bit of mm-hmm. rowing last year I actually quite enjoyed it on the lake there and Marcus mm-hmm. there was, was beautiful but you know for me I suppose I've always been in that team situation and then you're no longer you know and you miss mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. but um, you know it's replacing it with I said and start you know you've inspired me now we're really reading you over the last week about kind of you know goals and getting out into the mountains with Pat and stuff mm-hmm. as well I'm friends with him as well and kind mm-hmm. of just getting out a little bit more and our friends and and um, you know to explore, um, you know we're blessed to be you know as I said our friends have come over like I was I grew up in England in, in Cambridge moved over when I was about twenty four to Galway but our friends have come down here and they're like you live here like do you know you know yes. Kerry is well, such a beautiful fabulous county yeah, yeah. surrounded yeah. by mountains and yeah. lakes and um, and did that help you with the you know you had your walking trails you had a focus there you know, bringing that yeah. into fruition and also kind of um, growing that. And I think you you, you started your walking clubs and you did a bit of cycling. Yes. Does that kind of all come together to help you kind of come out of that? Uh, yeah, it did. Because I suppose when I retired, I suppose the, the, the club in Castle Island, who had been very good to me all through my career, the, the natural feeling from them was that I would come in and get involved as coaching. Now, I tried that for a while, but I found yeah. I couldn't work with uh, with juveniles, with kids, because I think a big problem was that you know, I wasn't a parent myself and I didn't quite know how to handle kids. Okay, I and I was spending more time trying to focus on how to handle the kids than I was on their training, uh, with the result that I pulled away from it. It just I was I wasn't sleeping the night before a coaching course with the kids. You know, I just wasn't just, you, that you just, yeah. Um I found I, I got on better with adults anyway than, than kids and you know and I began to give advice maybe to young athletes, teenagers more I could do more for them than I could, you know, as a coach. So mm-hmm. I drifted away from that. And I found then that I could operate probably better by being involved within something myself. I like the walking I could go out walking with people I could take people out walking with me um, and I could do work much better from within than I could from standing on the sideline you know yeah. so um, I started I started taking out for initially before we set up any club I was taking people out on the hills and introducing them like you said earlier, earlier on I was showing them the joys of Karen Tool and the mountain so one thing led to another and then we set up a club and the the, the trails were set up and down again and I think that become a labour of love for me really and that takes up so much of my time now so all of a sudden my mind my, my life was full of, sort of meaning again and my life was I was able to bring people introduce people to the, the, the outdoors and I was able to do something for other people and bring them with me wow. and yeah so I was on I was I was on the up and up then again after that you know yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's amazing and um, you know 1500 people going through there a week as well and you see yeah. the people experience it and 
<coughs> you know, the kids, there's history, there's trail runners. Um, it looks stunning, you know, as I said, as I said, that's definitely something I'm going to go, go over and, and, and have a look at, you know. And have a look at, because I, I mean, initially, again, I was told the first year we were working on that trail, I was told to give it five years and this will all be going over with briars again, you know. I was really? told, that. told that. I was told right. that, yeah, you know. That's amazing. Um, what just what advice in regards to like a, a young athlete, John, um, similar position, you know, who's into whether it be track, road, mountain. Mm-hmm. What, what what kind of um, what kind of advice would you give to a young athlete these days coming up? Um, yeah, <coughs> seeing you, seeing what you've achieved and, and the levels you've got to, and would like to you know you know whether they have the self belief to, to to follow or just to what would you kind of advise them <coughs> for them? I suppose. I, I think really one of the keys thing is that not to forget the word sport. Um, it is it is a sport. Yeah. It is something to be enjoyed, and you have to enjoy it. It's no good going out there if if it's a chore. Uh, if you don't enjoy it, you have to find some way of making it enjoyable. And that's what I found with training, the variety in training, variety different types of training. Uh, all that keeps your mind fresh. You have to keep your mind fresh. You know, yeah. um, that's one of the key things: enjoyment and keeping yourself, keeping your, your mental freshness going. Um, look, you know, after after that, you have to work hard at it. There's no doubt about it. You have to be stand on the start line of any event, knowing that you've trained as hard as anybody else there. That you're on par with them on that anyway. You know, you have to have that confidence when you're lining up, and it's very important. You have to believe. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that. Find a way of beating the other guy. Can you know? Um, and and that'll give you confidence as well there's always a way there's you know there's every athlete has a weakness and you know and i suppose look you know um you know once i was saying it one and during a school talk one day and i was saying the importance of believing i said when i was in school and thinking about olympics i would say i'm going to run in the olympics and somebody said to me but you didn't I said, I know I didn't actually run in the Olympics. I believed that I could yes. and I trained that I could. And I said, I got as high as I could go. I got to my max potential yes. by believing that I could. And I said, that's all you can ask from anyone. That's beautiful, yeah. And I was, someone's, I heard on the podcast, something said, how, how tall does a tree grow? And the answer was, as tall as it can. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes, so exactly. As tall as it can possibly can. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah. like you said there, you went to the max of your ability. I did. And yep. no regrets. You, no regrets. You, 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 yep. You've experienced yep. some, uh, maybe some amazing places and raced with some amazing people, met some amazing people. And, um, you know, you're now creating this community, in, 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 you know, where you grew up and where it all started, which is pretty, Correct. Which yeah. pretty amazing. And if people want to kind of be interested in going on these trails, where's the best place to um, to go and sort of view it and, and book mm-hmm. it? Or does it just mm-hmm. to, to no. directions or yeah. is there a website? Or? Um, the the ideal place we say everyone, because the, the focal point in Ballymacallagher really would be Orida's pub and restaurant. It's on the main Trillycast line of road. So most people will know that from driving past. Okay. So once you get yourself to that, it's signposted from there. It's only a five minute drive from there. The trails are marked. You have the green loop, the shortest one. You have the, the blue loop, which is the middle. And then you have the tin k loop or it's just under 10k is the purple the purple loop the long loop you know so you don't need any guide you don't need any booking you just show up you go for a walk you follow the arrows yeah. and that's it you know wow. and you yeah. you know you will you want to allow about three hours for to do the full the full loop the full. yeah that's amazing i think in the last couple of years i think people have which is great people have been i suppose i see people some people who maybe weren't really walkers have been kind of I suppose forced in a way that mm-hmm. um not forced but you know went out for walks and now it's now part of their, their routines, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the habit and, and to, it would be travesty to not to live in this county and not get out and, and see what's around there. So something I have taken on board this week and I've, you know, I might, 
you know, put in time or set times where you can kind of go out even during the day. I'm near the park here, just get out weekends, go explore places I haven't seen before, you know, and I think that's yes. what it's all about. It's, it's creating uh, memories and I'm mm-hmm. sure you've got you've yep. got loads of them. Um, and uh, no, it's amazing. So before we, uh, I want to keep you all day because uh, the conversation has been lovely. So really appreciate you coming in. Can you tell me that little story that you told me in the gym there earlier on about the flower? So yeah. Nice sort of, ending. of course, yeah. Um, many years ago, in my in my, in my junior uh, cross country time, I was uh, travelled up to Dublin for a, a training session with the Irish senior and junior team, and we were staying up in the hotel in Dublin. And uh, it was my first session. It was I remember my first session ever sitting in, and so I was intrigued by the whole thing and the the psychology of the whole thing as well. But there was a guy there; he was coaching us anyway, and he was kind of pointing out the importance of mental strength and uh, as, a, as opposed to the physical side of where everybody was concentrating on and there was a little alcove in the room where we were and there was a plant growing in the alcove and he got us all to turn around in our seats and focus on the plant now you see that plant he said that's ye physically but you see the alcove that it's that's built around it that's ye mentally and he said no matter how hard you train or no matter how much you water and feed that plant, it can only grow to the height of that alcove. And that's you mentally. So he said, no matter how hard you train, it can only go to what your mental capability will allow you. So he, that's why he had us working on, you have to work on your mental training and your mental fitness for to make that alcove bigger so that you're physical fitness can grow and I suppose it's hard to describe it but when you're sitting in a room and there's a guy in front of you and he's pointing all this out to you it really sinks in instantly with you and I think it always always stuck with me after that wow that's that's made the hair stands up on my arm my arm just listening <laughs> to that story and mm. just for you to have been in the room when he said it like yes yes and these are things that are points in your life where you that's stuck with you for, for how many years you know yeah. and that will always stick with you oh. and there's people and moments and, and words that have been said like you know that brings you back to a quote that I said the other night in, in, in a talk I did was you know if there's if there's no enemy within the enemy outside can do you no harm and I found that really mm-hmm. powerful it's kind mm-hmm. of you know you we, we sort of set the bar, like you said, mm-hmm. we set the alcove sometimes. Correct. We, we hit that ceiling and we're like, oh, you know, yeah. this is maybe not for me. Mm-hmm. Well, you can push past that, you, you know. Can. And, exactly. Uh, as you said, that's, that's an amazing that's uh, analogy that guy there, that, you know, mm-hmm. he, he said there and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's powerful. Powerful, I think it is, yeah. 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 So, yeah. thanks so much, uh, John. I really, really enjoyed that. We could talk for another hour, so I don't want to keep you. But uh, <laughs> uh, if you haven't got the book, Tough as Leather um, by Con Dennehy, um, the story of a sporting legend, John Lennon. I think it was 2015, was it published around there? You didn't around, around there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pick it up, <coughs> amazing read. Some really, really good pictures in there from, from over the years as well. Um, and um, no, really appreciate that you've, you've inspired me, and I'm sure you're going to inspire all the listeners. And just to, I'd heard, I'd heard of you, John. Um, but uh, as in, you know, the you know about your your feet and about you know, um, but I hadn't obviously and uh, through Anne and uh, you told me about how, how Anne was actually a very good runner and uh, I'll pick her up on that. She did. She's a kind of modest. Was a, was a kind of mutual mutual friend and kind of got us in contact. So I really appreciate you coming in, and it's an amazing story. And uh, I think my the listeners are going to get a load from this as I have. So um, and um, yeah, we look forward to getting onto the the trails. In, in Thank you very much, and maybe we might meet you up there someday. Definitely, I'll give you a text, and, yeah. and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a coffee, and we'll go for Absolutely. a wonder, and you can fill me in on the history. I will indeed. Glad uh, thanks a lot, John. I really appreciate. Thank it. you, Joe. I appreciate it. No
And that is a wrap, guys, with John Lennon. Um, really an amazing conversation there. Uh, I'm sure you would agree. Um, some amazing takeaways there, um, just in general, in life, really, about chasing goals, being consistent, hard work, believe, uh, believing in yourself and what you can achieve, um, and sort of we're much more than the physical body and how much our mindset can kind of um, drive us on to achieve things that people don't think is uh, is possible. So... Um, yeah amazing amazing um, so if you liked it please go on to Apple Podcasts and give it a rating um, five rating would be super um, um, you know share it on your Instagram stories tag um, Michael underscore Lindsay underscore coaching or Studio 7 Fitness um, and uh, yeah we'll post it on the story and yeah hope you hope you enjoyed it as much as I did uh, listening to it firsthand. so uh, yeah let's keep it rolling um, some more guests planned and some solo ones as well so um yeah um i will talk to you very soon guys and uh, take care and hope you enjoy thanks a lot bye bye